What an amazing time it is right now. So many things going on. Edge of Your Seat podcast has slowed down a little bit producing shows, but we're out there passing out business cards. We had an ad in the News Tribune Illinois Valley Hall of Fame magazine. Getting new sponsors. We have a new one today with HC Detailing, which is also Mendota Muffler and Brakes. Welcome to the party. Welcome to Edge of Your Seat Podcast. We've been talking to a lot of awesome, amazing people. We have been doing the background work to keep making Edge of Your Seat Podcast bigger, better, and excuse my language, more badass. That's what we want to do here. We want it to be a show where you keep coming back and back and back. So we got to put in the work. Also know we need a more regularized schedule. We're definitely working on that. Had some Things change again in the background. Schedules got all kinds of goofy. Got football Fridays we're broadcasting. Changed the regular daily job. No longer a banker. In journalism full time. So we're going to adjust and get back to regular scheduled programming. But that's not all that's awesome. High school playoffs for the fall sports are here. Golf already had regionals. Already had sectionals. The qualifiers for the state meet IHSA style has been set. We're ready to golf. We're ready to hit the greens, crown some state champions. Cross country, right around the corner. Boys soccer, right around the corner. Tennis, swimming, volleyball, right around the corner, like days, week, away from playoffs. Football is into week seven. Week six was amazing. Had some crazy, crazy games, some scores. That's just the high school world. MLB playoffs have started. Don't know if you've been watching the last two days. Today being very, very early morning between Wednesday and Thursday, October 6th and 7th. So about two hours ago was the NL wildcard game. Woo! Man, we'll talk a little bit about it later. Get deep in there. What a crazy game. Crazy, crazy, crazy. The day before, the AL wildcard game. Interesting baseball. NFL is in the week five already. Justin Fields named the starting Chicago Bears quarterback. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. He's the guy moving forward. Should have been after Dalton went down. I know people are like, oh, it's just going to ruin Fields. But the game against the Cleveland Browns where he got sacked nine times. Justin Fields got sacked nine times. If Andy Dalton was in there, it would have been 12 sacks. Fields at least has the legs, the mobility to move around. Dalton does not. Fields is going to get better. He's a strong guy. He's not Mitch Trubisky where he's going to fall apart or be ruined. Injuries? Yeah, they happen to everybody. Rookie years, second years, third years. I mean, those happen. Hopefully it doesn't. We don't want him to get hurt. But we can't be like, oh, if we put him behind this line, he's going to get hurt and he's over. No, he's an NFL football player getting paid. He's got to be in there to play the game. That's what I'm saying. The Chicago Sky into the WNBA Finals. Beautiful thing for Chicago. Got to love basketball, especially WNBA style. They get it done. Candace Parker. She's got my heart. She's awesome. Little crush. Probably more on her basketball skills because she can turn it up. She's amazing. 
So a lot of things to dive into, discuss, talk about. So obviously, this is a very exciting episode 206 of Edge of Your Seat Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Lachance. Listen to Edge of Your Seat Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, the website, rss.com, backslash podcasts with an S, backslash Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Check us out, Social Media World, Facebook, Edge of Your Seat Podcast, Twitter, Edge of Your Seat P. You can always shoot us an email, edgeofyourseatpodcast at gmail.com. If you have any questions, suggestions, don't like something I said, like something I said, love to guess. You want to be a guest, know somebody that would be a good guest, or you want to be a member of the advertising team with Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Send an email, we listen, we respond to all. On this episode, again, 206, we got a couple guests, three to be exact. We're going to start with Kiwani Duo, senior quarterback Will Bruno, and coach Brad Swanson. They're leading the Kiwani to a 6-0 start. When they're at 5-0, it was the best since 1999, and that's when we spoke to them. We spoke to Bruno and Swanson after week five. I know we're heading into week seven. We're a little late getting this out. We apologize for that. But we talk about the makeup of this team, how Kiwani was not good a few years ago, like not good. They were at the bottom of their conference year in, year out. Now they're at the top. They are at the top of the Three Rivers conference Mississippi division and in week five week five they defeated Princeton who was also undefeated at the time week six they defeat Hall 24-22 Hall is now one in five but they can score points their defense has been getting better from week to week Kiwani knew that they couldn't just look over Hall like hey they've only won one game we're gonna smash them no Will Bruno says himself we can't look past anybody and now Week seven, Mendota, who was five and one. So every single week for Kiwani is business. They got to get to it. They know that and they share that with us. Will Bruno has now thrown for 16 touchdowns on the season. Quite impressive for the senior quarterback. After we hear from Bruno and Swanson, we're going to check in with a now member of the News Tribune Illinois Valley Hall of Fame, LaSalle, Peru, 1994 graduate, spent 12 seasons in the National Football League and is now an assistant coach at San Diego State University. If the clues didn't give it away, we are talking about Mike Goff. I've been trying to talk to this gentleman for about four or five years, do a Where They Now story, do something with him, got him on Edge of Your Seat podcast. I was pumped about this interview, pumped to talk to him. And it lived up to the billing. Great guy to talk to. Had a lot to share with us at Edge of Your Seat Podcast. So, lots of things to talk about. Amazing guest. This is going to be an absolutely great, 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 great episode of Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Which is brought to you by Shimmer Mendota Ford, a community dealership that is here for you. So after that amazing introduction, we have to do a shout out to the Peru Catholic baseball team. They qualified for the IESA state tournament. They did fall in the quarterfinal, eight teams all together. They lost the first game, but it's amazing fact just to get there. So hats off, salute, shout out to the Peru Catholic baseball team. 
Wednesday, October 6th, saw some action as we're winding down the regular season. Cross-country style, Hall participated in the Low Point Washburn Roanoke Benson Invitational for the Red Devils. Gage Shemusvik, 19th. Ari Martinez Prada finished 24th. And Yovana Reyes, 25th. Volleyball. Indian Creek defeated Hinkley Big Rock in two sets. Wow. Anawan Weathersfield defeated Monmouth Roseville in two sets as well. 27-25, 25-23. Well, we're giving shout-outs because we love to do that here at Edge of Your Seat Podcast. It was National Coaches Day last night, this morning, however that works. Always in weird times sometime. But National Coaches Day to all the people volunteer their time. Maybe they get paid a little bit. But everything that they do is way bigger than money, way bigger than a resume, the lives that they touch, the work that they put in, the things that they have to put up with. Coaches get my ultimate respect every day of the year. So National Coaches Day, they deserve a day where they're honored and celebrated as the great people that they are. This show brought to you by Sherman Mendota Ford. Mendota Ford is a community dealership dedicated to being community first. A small dealership in a small town, the staff of general manager Ski Hartman and his associates Jason Hintz and Doug Safranic pride themselves in being here for you. They don't want to sell you one vehicle, they want to form a bond, a relationship to get you every vehicle you want in cars, trucks, and SUVs for your entire group, your friends, your family. Doug Safranik is from Mendota, Basketball Player of the Year in 2003, and is ready to use his knowledge of vehicles to connect with your wishes to get you the vehicle you're searching for. Jason Hintz has been with Shimmer Mendota Ford for six years, giving him the experience needed to help customers in every way possible. You can purchase any vehicle off any lot in the Shimmer family. Ski, Jason, and Doug will make sure they track it down and hand you the keys. Probably jiggle them in your face. To check out the many options on the lot, Mendota Ford is located just south of Mendota on Highway 251. To look ahead or find another vehicle on the lot, check out www.mendotaford.com. Call 815-539-9314 for all vehicle inquiries with Shimmer Mendota Ford. Golf playoffs, like I said, in full effect. Almost done. We got the state finals October 8th and 9th. Before that happened, regionals were September 29th and 30th, and the sectionals were October 4th, and that is for both boys and girls. Let's start with the boys. Class 1A Elgin Academy Regional. We're going to go to regionals, sectionals, as we await for the state final, the state meet to take place on the greens, on the fairways. Beautiful time for golf. As we're getting a little colder, today is a very rainy day. Well, at least the morning. Hopefully it doesn't last all day, but it is pretty rainy. Anyway, back to golf. Boys 1A Elgin Academy. Byron won it with a 323. Hinkley Big Rock was 6 with a 352. And Oregon was 11th with a 420. For Byron on the advancing, the winning regional team, Aaron Lorenz had a 79. Mason Brandt also had a 79. Davis Baker had an 82. Braden Baker had an 83. Charlie Mershon a 95. 
and Weston Hurrell, a 102. Individuals advancing. So these are golfers not on a team that advance. Top three teams advance. Hinkley Big Rocks, Elliot McGuire, shot in the 80. And Richard Hinsky in 84. The Class 1A Galva Regional. Sherrard won it with a 322. Henry Sinanchuan was 10th with a 394. Anwan Weathersfield had a 413 for 11th. And Midland shot a 425 for 13th. The Riverdale Regional. Riverdale won with a 310. Newman was 2nd with a 332. Hall was 4th with a 346. St. Bede shot a 347 for 5th. Amboy was 6th with a 348. Newark and Morrison tied for 7th with a 354. Burrow Valley slid in the 9th with a 362. Putnam County and Erie Prophetstown tied for 10th with a 378. Earlville was 12th with a 431. And Indian Creek with a 434 was 13th. The Newman Advancers from the second place team. Kyle Wolf in 81. Logan Palmer in 81. Jacob Donald in 84. Carson Palmer in 86. Grant Kerner, a 123. Ty Brockman, a 95. The advancing individuals. St. Bede's Jake Delaney, a 76. Hall freshman Landon Plim, a 77. Newark's Camden Figgins, an 80. Newark's Dylan Cartwright, an 81. Amboy's Hayden Whitnaver, an 82. Wes Wilson, an 84, also from Amboy. St. Bede's Brennan Pillum, an 85. And Hall's Grant Plim, an 85. A lot of individuals out of that regional. The Seneca Regional. El Paso Gridley won with a 323. Roanoke Benson tied for second with a 341. Seneca came in fourth with a 346. Fieldcrest was eighth with a 373. Marquette was 11th with a 428. For Roanoke Benson, DJ Norman shot a 75. Luke Sauter an 82. Dexter Hodel an 88. Drew Garrels a 96. The advancing individuals, Seneca's Noah Quigley, 78. Fieldcrest, Lucas Bernardi, an 83. Seneca's Owen Quigley, an 87. And for Marquette, Carson Zellers, an 89. Let's move to two-way. The Kiwani Regional. Peoria Richwoods took it all with a 326. Geneseo, two strokes behind, was second with a 328. Princeton took sixth with a 372. Kiwani was seventh with a 376. For Geneseo, finishing second, Mason Steinert, a 78. Bryson Van Hoot, an 81. Hayden Moore, an 84. Tot Hager, an 85. Thomas Henson, an 89. And Sam Robinson, a 94. Individual advancers, Kiwani's Chaz Peed, a 78. Princeton's Jaden Eggers and Kiwani's Emmett Brokaw both shot 89s. At the Class 2A Lamont Regional, Lamont won it with a 297. Morris was third with a 328. Cole City, seventh with a 358. For Morris in the third place advancing position, Nathan Hawk had a 77. Joey Lanahan, an 83. Brennan Johnson, an 83. Liam Eber, an 85. Chris Harris, a 90. And Drew Larson, a 91. 
individuals advancing. Cole City's Dylan Brown had an 81, and Rylan McGeary had an 84. At the Class 2A Ottawa Regional, Ottawa won it with a 299, playing some amazing, amazing golf. Hope to have some pirate representatives on this very show. LaSalle Peru also having a dynamic year was second with a 315 to pace Ottawa's 299. Dixon was third with a 318. Mendota fifth with a 342. Streeter with a 345 was sixth. And Sterling was eighth with a 358. For Ottawa, Drake Coffin, he's a sophomore, been tearing it up, 71. Jonathan Cooper, a 72. Drake Stout, a 75. Seth Cooper, an 81. Alex Billings, an 84. And Chandler Creedon, a 96. For the Cavaliers, Carter Fenza, 74. Coleman Rundle, also a 74. Connor Normachek, an 81. John Malata, an 86. Caden Valenzuela, a 90. And Noah Raitgraf, a 94. Dixon, also advancing at third. Mason Weggle, a 78. Alex Harrison, a 79. Sage Manakfi, an 80. Stephen Kitzman, an 81. Ben Oros, a 92. And Grant Jacobs, a 96. Advancing individuals. Mendota's Ethan Hanneman, a 76. Streeter's Cooper Wall, a 79. Mendota also had Owen Augenbaugh, an 85. Sterling Dale Garini, an 86. And Streeter's Dan Winterrod, an 86. Lots of advancers out of Ottawa. The Sandwich Class 2A Regional, Caneland at 313, took it all. Sycamore was fourth with the 354, Sandwich sixth with the 381, Plano was seventh with the 396, and with 422, Rochelle came in eighth. No teams advanced with Sycamore finishing fourth. Gotta have a top three. Advancing individuals, Rochelle's Griffin Olinger had an 84. Sycamore advanced 4-5 with Nick Zirkel an 88, Ryan Polly an 88, Matthew Loss an 88, David Beatty a 90, Luther Swedberg a 93. Plano also advanced Mason Accidente with a 93. 3A, Bloomington Regional. Barrington won it with a 309. The Kalb came in seventh with a 397. The Kalb did advance TJ Fontana, who shot a 93. Let's get to the girls' greens. Starting off, we'll do 2A first. We always go 1A, then go up, I guess. We'll go 2A. McChesney Park, regional. Rockford Guilford wins with the 354. Sycamore takes fourth with a 407. Qualifying for Sycamore was Brianna Shawman with a 79 and Lauren Kahn with a 92. Sterling's Maddie Pink had an 88 to advance and Jocelyn Johnson had a 99. Forty Kalb, Alexis Murrow had a 94. Elena Swafford also shot a 94. The Joliet Central 2A Regional. Ottawa finished 8th with a 387. LaSalle Peru ninth with a 401. Lincoln Way East won it all with a 316. LP had one advancer and Grace Antle with an 89, while Ottawa's Zoe Harris also advanced with an 82. In 1A, the Rock Island Ullman Regional, Rock Falls won with a 323. Geneseo was second with a 343. 
St. B third with a 351. And Juan Weathersfield fifth with a 375. For Geneseo, finishing second, advancing as a team. Keely Nugent, an 80. Georgia McLavin, an 86. Keely Roberts, an 88. Abby Mills, an 89. Olivia Seal, a 96. And Claire Toon, a 102. For St. Bede with that third with the 351. Elena Michaels, a 76. Gianna Gerwetti, an 85. Brianne Briggs, an 89. Ava Manici, a 101. The advancing individuals from Kiwani, Maya Marocha, a 70. From Dixon, Katie Drew, a 76. And Newman's Ashley Weeman, an 88. At the Galena 1A Regional, had some advancers in Oregon's Ava Hackman, an 87. Byron's Shannon McHale, a 91. And Byron's Ava Colgen with a 92. At the Trinity Regional, Hinkley Big Rock was 8th with a 408. And advanced, Sammy Curlin, who shot a 90. The Seneca Regional, Pontiac won with a 362. Seneca was 2nd with a 414. Sandwich with a 422 was 3rd. Plano took 6th with a 453. Earlville shot a 503 for 8th. And Indian Creek was 9th with a 530. For Seneca, finishing 2nd, the advancers were Riley Stenzel, a 78. Lori Yegi, a 108. Julia Hogan, a 112, Brandy Johnson, a 116, and Addison Stigler, a 123. For Sandwich, that third place advancing spot, Elijah Campbell, an 85, Melody Goldstein, a 103, Georgia Vey, a 111, and Jaden Bomback, a 123. Advancing as individuals, Plano's Faith Malloy shot a 98, Ella McDonald from Morris shot a 95. Marquette's Caitlin Meganaw, a 99, and Plano's Kendall Floodstrom shot a 106. Those were just the regionals. Then we get to sectionals. We'll go class 2A, but we'll start girls this time. In the Belvedere sectional, Sycamore's Brianna Shawman, a sophomore, shot a 74. Sterling senior Maddie Pink shot a 79. They are both at the state tournament. Woo! Good job for them. But we're not done. Lots of state qualifiers here. Class 1A, Aurora Central Catholic. Chicago Latin won with the 318. Seneca was 8th with the 396. Sandwich was 9th with the 399. Advancing for Seneca was senior Riley Stenzel. Shot a 74 to punch her ticket to the state tournament. Also 1A, the Geneseo sectional. Rockford Boylan won it with a 325, at least the team competition. Geneseo was 4th with a 353. St. Bede was 10th with a 404. Advancing to state was Oregon's Ava Hackman, the junior with a 79. Dixon sophomore Katie Drew with an 81. And Geneseo senior Keely Nugent shot an 81. All three going to state. On the boys side of things, class 1A Beecher sectional. Beecher won it with a 323. Roanoke Benson was 6th with a 351. Advancing as individuals were Roanoke Benson Jr., DJ Norman, Seneca Sr., Noah Quigley with an 81, and Fieldcrest Jr., Lucas Bernardi with an 82. Congratulations to those three fellas. The 1A Byron sectional. Illinois Catholic won with a 312. 
Byron was fourth with a 333. Newman sixth with a 337. Advancing individuals. Going to state. Byron Jr. Braden Baker had a 76. Newman's Jacob Donald had a 79. St. B. Jr. Jake Delaney a 79. And Newman Jr. Kyle Wolf also had a 79. All three in there with the 79 to join Braden Baker's 76. Class 2A Chicago Brother Rice sectional. St. Ignatius College Prep won with a 287. Morris was 10th with a 349. No advancing individuals. Class 2A Metamora sectional. Macomb won it with a 305. Geneseo was 9th with a 336. No advancing individuals for Geneseo. Class 2A Sycamore sectional. Crystal Lake Central won with a 307. Ottawa was second with a 314, sending the whole team to state. Congratulations to the Pirates. That is a great day for them. 13th was LaSalle Perus, 360, 14, 384 from Sycamore. Advancing for Ottawa, the whole team. Like I said, that is amazing. Drake Kaufman, a 72. Jonathan Cooper, a 78. Seth Cooper, an 81. Drake Stout, an 83. Also advancing was Dixon sophomore Stephen Kitzman with a 78. Congratulations to everybody going to state. What a great year. What a great show of skill and accomplishment to get to the state meet. So many people from the area that we like to talk to. We like to see them doing great things. And they are. We are welcoming in our new sponsor, HC Detailing. They hand wash, they full detail, they window tint. Anything that you want done to your car to make it look good, they can do. They're open Monday through Friday, 8.30 a.m. to 5.30 p.m. Saturday, you can turn around and go as well from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. Where are they at, you ask? 1204 6th Avenue on Route 34 in Mendota, Illinois. If you want more done to your car than just looking good, they can also do the nuts and bolts work. Because... It doubles as Mendota muffler and brake. You can do all of those things, suspensions, tires, whether you want new or used. They can legitimately do everything for your vehicle. Everything. Get it washed, some new tires, some new wheels, like Nike Air Force Ones, but on tire style. You want the windows blackened, can't see, tin them out. You can do absolutely everything. HC detailing and Mendota muffler and brakes. I already said where they're at one time, but just in case you didn't hear, 1204 6th Avenue, Route 34, Mendota, Illinois. To contact them, just in case you want something different, you want to set up an appointment, the phone number is 815-252-9518 or 815-539-9575. You want to send an email, it's heh1680 at yahoo.com. Also got a website. You can check everything out right there. www.hcdetailing.com Go check it out. Get some stuff done for your car. They have tons of reoccurring customers because they do really, really amazing work. Speaking of amazing work, MLB Wildcard Games. If you did not catch the NL Wild card, the National League last night, at least the end of the game. It's 1-1, bottom of the ninth. Dodgers are up. Chris Taylor, home run, scores in two. 
Oh, man. Walk off. The crowd went crazy. I went crazy watching the game. I didn't really have a fighter in the fight. Not a Dodgers fan. Not a Cardinals fan. Don't hate either one of them. Just wanted to watch a great baseball game. And that's exactly what it was. Man, 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 man. It was such a crazy, awesome game. Max Scherzer for the Dodgers did his thing as long as he could. He was kind of getting rocked a little bit, but pulled it together, only allowed one run. Adam Wainwright, the same thing, gave up a home run to Justin Turner. That was the one run. So it's 1-1. That's it. To the bottom of the ninth, Chris Taylor, bomb. Wins the game. Place, I can I could say this a million times. It just was ecstatic. It was electric. It was, man, I wish I was there. That was just fantastic. Just a great moment in sports, especially for the Dodgers. And that comes the day after the Red Sox defeated the Yankees in the American League wildcard game 6-2. Anytime you match up the Red Sox and the Yankees, it's also electric. It's also must-watch TV. Red Sox just pulled it out. Have a better team than the Yankees this year. Yankees not as strong. Obviously, they're a playoff team, so a good team, but not the crazy Yankees where, hey, they're going to beat everybody and it's not even a contest. That's not it this year. Red Sox pulled it out 6-2. I do want to rewind a little bit and give a further shout out to the St. Louis Cardinals. Nobody thought they were going to be in the wild card position. They ended the season winning 17 straight games. That is amazing. It was cool watching it. Again, not a Cardinals fans, but I'm surrounded by a few people that are definitely Cardinals fans. And you're kind of in that vibe area in northern Illinois where Cubs and Sox are here, but there's also Cardinal fans. And they're always bannering back and forth. So it's a cool time, especially the end of the year when White Sox are in it, Cardinals are in it, Cubs are not. Everybody bantering back and forth. Okay, let's fast forward. So now... With the Dodgers winning, Red Sox winning, they're further into the playoffs. So the AL starting Thursday, today, Astros and White Sox, we will be watching that, no doubt about it. Red Sox against the Tampa Rays. It's going to be a very, very interesting series. I think the White Sox can beat the Astros. I think the Red Sox can beat the Rays, but the Rays and Astros Record-wise, better teams, got the home seeds. I may go the away teams for both. I want the White Sox and Red Sox to win and meet up in the AL Championship. That's what I would like to see. The Rays are going to be really, really tough, though. So if the Rays knock out the Red Sox, I would not, by any means, I would not be surprised. And they are definitely favored. Starting Friday is the National League. We got the Atlanta Braves against the Milwaukee Brewers and the Los Angeles Dodgers against the San Francisco Giants. I am going to go Brewers and Giants. I would love, 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 love to see the Milwaukee Brewers get a little further. I'm not saying World Series. I think the Giants got the squad. Giants are my pick to be in the World Series out of the NL, but I do want to see the Brewers knock out the Atlanta Braves. Talking about postseason MLB, let's talk about preseason NBA. Started on Tuesday, the Bulls getting a huge win over the Cleveland Cavaliers, and it was amazing to see this new constructed Bulls team. Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, Nikola Vucevic, Lonzo Ball, Alex Caruso, 
so many different pieces than the team that we knew a year ago. Laurie Markkinen, gone. Thank God. He got dunked on twice since he's a Cleveland Cavalier. It was beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful. But it was just great seeing that team play. And they're going to be dangerous. People are saying like, hey, a five or a six seed in the East. I don't know, man. I don't know. If they start clicking, this is one of those teams where you just have a lot of awesome pieces and you might not have a crazy, crazy superstar. You don't have a LeBron James. You don't have a Kevin Durant. But you got 10 guys that can play the game like really, really well. I'm not saying they're the Detroit Pistons of the early 2000s. 2004, they knock out the Lakers in the championship with the Shaq and Kobe and the great players that they had, Carl Malone, Gary Payton. Not saying that this is that squad, but they have a lot of amazing pieces that if they all play the roles and are all, all healthy, this could be a very, very, very dangerous Chicago Bulls team. Against the Cavaliers on Tuesday, Zach Levine, 25 points, DeMar DeRozan, 13, Javante Green, 13, Nikola Vucevic, 10 points, 9 boards, Lonzo Ball, 8 points, 5 assists, 5 rebounds. Those are your starters. In a 113 game, you get 131 points. So what did the bench do? Went crazy. Troy Brown had 13. Alex Caruso, 10 points, 10 assists for the double dub. And they had guys, 8, 7, 6, everybody on the roster just getting it done because there are so many valuable pieces and everybody can play ball. This is going to be an ongoing combo for Edge of Your Seat Podcast because they can legit tear it up. Also tearing it up, the Chicago Sky. Woo! In the finals, the WNBA Finals. Oh, man, since the first time since 2014, it was just beautiful. Game four against Connecticut of the semifinals, 79-69 to get in there. Candace Parker, thank you for coming to Chicago, doing your thing. Seen a photo of her walking into the building, rocking a Chicago Blackhawks jersey. We love it. We love it. We love it. Chicago all day, baby. Candace Parker, 17 points, 9 rebounds, 7 assists. Courtney Vandersloot, 19 points, 4 assists, 4 rebounds. Kaylee Cooper, 18 points, 6 rebounds. Everybody getting the job done. Team effort, 79-69 into the WNBA Finals. Congratulations to the Sky as they're awaiting the winner of Phoenix Mercury and Las Vegas Aces. That's at 8 p.m. on Friday. And then the WNBA Finals are on Sunday. So, woo, man, we got a lot, 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 lot going on. With all that going on, this is one of the best times of the year. Sports are blowing up all over the place. Starting to get a little cooler. You got your pumpkins out. Kind of cool decorating time. It's not too hot. So you're not wearing shorts anymore. You're not burning up. But it's not too cold. The winter jackets aren't out yet. The grill is still being fired up, still playing golf. You're still doing things you like to do and things that you need to do that you also like, like renovating your home. We all have improvements we want to make on our home, whether it's inside on any floor, in any room, stairs, tiling, bathroom, bedroom, front room, kitchen, maybe outside at the standing level, siding and windows, or you look up when you're outside. You see, man, my roof is looking shady. I need a new one. You look around, your garage and shed are falling apart, or you need a new one. 
You name it, Olson Construction has the ability to make everything in your house suit you and your family. Olson Construction is a licensed and insured family-owned and operated company that prides itself in offering family prices with family honesty on any job. Not only do brothers Keith Miles and Tommy Olson have the skills to install, demolish, build, recreate, calculate, formulate, and percolate, time for the percolator, but they also have the experience of more than 10 years to take care of your home renovations from blueprint to completion with your thoughts, opinions, and wishes taken with every step of the journey. For a free estimate, call Olson Construction at 815-910-5982. Check out the Olson Construction LLC page on Facebook or send an email to olsonconstruction19 at gmail.com. Football, NFL style, week five. Let's go through our picks. Man, this NFL season ramping up. I'm getting into it on every level. Got three fantasy teams, two pick em leagues, talking about football every day with the friends, colleagues, all those good things. Again, beautiful time of the year. Beautiful, beautiful. Going into week five, lots of intriguing games. Los Angeles Rams at Seattle Seahawks. This is a 50-50 game to me. Matt Stafford for the Rams, amazing quarterback. Russell Wilson, amazing quarterback for the Seahawks. Both have receivers everywhere. Defenses are tough. But as of late, the Rams have looked like a better team than the Seahawks, even though the Rams lost last week to Arizona. I'm going to go Rams. That's who I got. New York Jets at Atlanta Falcons. Again, a 50-50 game. Neither one of these teams are world beaters. The Jets pick up their first win last week. I believe it was Indianapolis Colts. I'm going to go Falcons just because. I don't think the Jets are good enough to win back-to-back games. Green Bay Packers at Cincinnati Bengals. I'm going Packers. Aaron Rodgers has a lot to prove. The defense needs to get a little tougher, but against that Bengals offense, besides Joe Burrow, who is a stud and is going to be a face of the NFL for quite a long time, I don't think they got enough to get past the Packers. Detroit Lions at Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings are a monomaly for me. One week, they're awful. The next week, they tear it up. It's been like that the last couple years for me while I'm looking at them. But I don't think the Detroit Lions, I mean, they're the Detroit Lions. Every single year, you give them good players, and there's just something with that squad where they just can't get everything together rolling at the same time. I'm going Vikings. Denver Broncos at Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steelers got some things they got to go work on. Talking about benching Ben Roethlisberger. I don't know if that's the key. I don't know what's going on there. But the Broncos have been showing out. I'm going Broncos. Miami Dolphins at Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Buccaneers. This isn't even a close one for me. New Orleans Saints at Washington football team. I'm going to go New Orleans. I don't know how comfortable I am with that. Washington to me is like a sleeper. They can beat pretty much anybody. They're a guts and grind team. They're going to pound it down your throat. They play tough defense. But the Saints just got that thing about them. I don't know if it's Alvin Kamara, who is still a stud, going to be a stud at least the next couple years. Their defense is okay. Sometimes it looks good. Sometimes it doesn't. But I think the Saints got this one against Washington. Although I would not be surprised if the football team wins. Calling them the football team. Still, the worst name ever. Philadelphia Eagles at Carolina Panthers. I'm going Panthers. I love the Carolina Panthers. I think they're going to be a team to be reckoned with this season. 
Tennessee Titans at Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm going Titans. Not really comfortable about this one. They have not looked good. Derrick Henry, you know, he's a stud and can shove an entire offensive line with one pinky. But I don't think the Jags are good enough to beat the Titans. And I think the Titans are hungry to just start being dominant again. New England Patriots at Houston Texans. Texans, I believe, are still on the third string quarterback who looked miserable last week. Patriots, you know, they hung with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And that's, you know, that guy named Bill Belichick. I don't think the Patriots let the Texans beat them. Chicago Bears at the Raiders. I am pumped that Justin Fields named the starting quarterback for the future forever. He deserves it. Just don't think the Bears are good enough at this point to beat the Raiders. Raiders have some really big wins under their belt. The Ravens being a key one. I think the Raiders got this. Sorry, Bears fans. I'm saying sorry to myself because I'm a huge Bears fan. But if this was for money, things like that, I could not pick the Bears over the Raiders. Cleveland Browns at Los Angeles Chargers. I'm going to go Browns, but I know the Chargers are favored. I know they're a really good football team. I just think the Browns have something extra that they get past the Chargers. And the Chargers are also one of those teams. If I pick to win, they lose. If I pick them to lose, they win big. So either way I go, I'll probably be wrong, but I'm going Cleveland Browns. New York Giants at Dallas Cowboys. I go Cowboys. I just think Dallas is playing great football. Dak Prescott looks amazing. The offensive options that they have, I just think they'll be way too much for the Giants. But this is one of those NFC East rivalry games that every single year, the team that you do not think is going to win either sticks in the game or they pull it out at the end. So I would not be surprised if it turns into that. But on paper, I'm going Cowboys. San Francisco 49ers at Arizona Cardinals. Cardinals undefeated. Kyler Murray putting in a MVP type season. Their defense is nasty, 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 nasty defense. I'm going Cardinals. Buffalo Bills at Kansas City Chiefs. I'm going to go Bills. The Chiefs have not been impressive at all. Besides Patrick Mahomes doing what Mahomes does, that's it. Nobody else has been doing their thing really. Tyreek Hill, I don't know what it is. He just doesn't look Tyreek Hill-ish. I'm going Buffalo Bills. They've been crushing people. I know it's been lesser teams, but I think they're going to pull that into Kansas City and be like, hey, we can beat you too. Monday Night Football, Indianapolis Colts at Baltimore Ravens. I'm going the Ravens. I'm sticking with them. They're tough. Lamar Jackson's a beast. Their defense is good. I love Mark Andrews. They're tight end. I'm going Ravens. That's week five breakdown. We'll see what happens after the weeks. Run them down. Talk some more NFL football. But right now, let's talk about some shopping. Through sisters slinging codes and saving you loads. It's not easy to shop nowadays. Store shopping is non-existent. Or it's a chore to get to a store. Online shopping is where it's at. But what sites do you go to? What sites are spam? Are you really going to get an item or did you just donate money? Which sites have the best deals? Sister Slaying Codes and Saving You Loads makes the headache of shopping much easier and cheaper. The sisters, owners Cassie and Tanya Milas, find limited time deals or coupon codes and share them on their Facebook page, Sister Slaying Codes and Saving You Loads. If there is something you're searching for, Send them a message and they'll find it for you. They've already partnered with Amazon and plan to add many more partnerships for the best deals on all items. Through Amazon, 
Amazon Prime will be needed to purchase an item. But if you don't have it, no worries. The sisters will send you a link for a free 30-day trial period so you can get the items you can't live without. Follow Sister Slinging Codes and Saving You Loads Facebook page to save you money and easily find all the items you're looking for or even the items that catch the eye. Any additional questions? Send the sisters a message on Facebook or an email at tccsbusiness19 at gmail.com. Well, that's the intro. Pretty long, but we had a lot of things to digest. Let's get to our guest, amazing guest. We're going to start with Kiwani's senior quarterback, star Will Bruno, and the coach, Brad Swanson. We are heading into week six, high school football. It's been a phenomenal season so far. And there is a team that you have to talk about when we're talking about phenomenal, and that's the Kiwani Boilermakers. They have been tearing it up. Had to get some representatives from Kiwani on. We'll start with quarterback Will Bruno. Will, what is going on, my friend? Uh, how are you? I'm good. Doing great. I mean, just looking at the scores, I haven't seen you guys play yet. I will. I think next week. You guys are tearing it up on the football field. Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing is uh, our play by the line. I think our old line has really, really shined through the start of the season, and our our backs have uh, played amazing as well. I mean, usually we wait a little bit to throw some shout-outs, but let's do it right now. Let's shout-out to your line and your backs that are helping you out back there. Uh, you got Noah Tiska snapping me the ball, James Conner playing left tackle. He's amazing. You got Jordan Johnson, uh, Nico Poe, and Keatus Patterson. All athletes for us, getting the job done. Perfect. Let's talk about you. You had 15 passing touchdowns on the year, two last week against Princeton. We'll dive in the Princeton game in a second, but let's talk about you as a quarterback this season. You are a senior, correct? Yeah, I am. So this is your last go, and you're going out with a bang so far, you know, five weeks in. Yeah, I've been working hard. I've been working hard for three years, you know. I can't really give myself too much credit i mean i have a great line that gives me a lot of time to throw and then i got athletes to throw to that make big plays really help me shine definitely what has been the best part of your game especially this season getting these you know five wins five and oh state ranked in class 4a what has been working for you obviously our past game but uh i think the deep ball i mean we've had uh, a lot of big plays the deep ball has always been there for us this year and uh that's that's pretty much our go-to when we need it Definitely. Who are some of your favorite targets to connect with for those deep routes? Definitely Jordan Johnson and Nico Bo. They create space. They they burn their guy a lot, and uh, they make it easy for me. Definitely. We have to talk about this Princeton game. I knew looking at Week 5, Kiwani, Princeton, both 4-0, both really great teams this year, and it lived up to... You know, the billing for you guys, 49-21 victory for Kiwani. What was working for you against a pretty dominant Princeton team? Well, we started off uh, with a couple big passes, and then uh, our pass game kind of slowed down there. Then in the second quarter, we picked it back up. Jordan and Nico, again, they got open. We were getting them the ball. Keontas Patterson was running the ball. He uh, breaking tackles, big gains. So all around, I think our offense was working all night. We continued to shine there. If I remember right, it was kind of tied or back and forth, like in the 20s, and then you guys just kind of put on the afterburners in terms of the scoreboard. What happened in the second half where you guys were able to get that separation? Uh, our defense. Our defense stepped up huge, put up a bagel in the 
in the second half, created turnovers, uh, stopped them from driving down the field, got us the ball in a really good field position, and uh, we capitalized off of it. Going into that game, you had to have known how big of a game it was. Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, we talked about it all week. Coach Swanson likes to say, if you're juiceless, you're useless, and we brought the juice all week to practice. Probably had the best week of practice that we've had all season. Uh, we were prepared going in. So it seems like the team was like, hey, we want this win. We got to work for it. We're going to get it. So you started in practice and took that same mentality into the game. Yeah, exactly. We knew what the challenge was going to be, and we were ready for it. Definitely. Going into week six, we got Hall. The record is kind of misleading. They're one and four, but they can score points and put it on you with their triple-headed running back game. Yeah, we try to uh, ignore the record because we know that they're a much better team than what uh, what the record says, and we don't want to overlook anybody. Uh, we gotta we need to approach every week like it's the Princeton week and uh, take it one game at a time. So you guys are not coming into the game against Hall like, oh, you know, they're one and four. This might be a cupcake game. You're not looking at it like that at all. You're like, hey, they could beat us if they want to. We're gonna bring our A game. Yeah, exactly. Like I said, we don't want to look, overlook anybody because when you overlook people, that's when you get beat. That's a good mindset to have because you see it every year where a strong team comes in against maybe, you know, record-wise, points scored for on the season, maybe not as strong, but then they get upset and, you know, it's a huge loss on their loss column. Yep, for sure. You're like, yep, Kiwani, we don't want that to happen. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about the Three Rivers real quick. I mean, it seems like the last couple of years it kind of – reshapes, adds a team, drops a team, kind of switches around. But it seems like the Three Rivers Conference Mississippi division that we have right now is very competitive. It's close enough where you can form bonds with these other players, rivalries, I mean bonds in terms of rivalries. How do you look at it every game going in these teams, a Princeton, a St. Bede, a Mendota, a Hall, a Newman? How is it for you guys going into these games? Um, these games are big. I mean, these games are all pretty much just like playoff games because a lot of us are, are playoff teams. We're a playoff team, Princeton, Bureau Valley. Bureau Valley might sneak in, uh, St. Bede, Newman, uh, Mendota. Uh, all teams have played pretty well all season. We know that we want to be on top of all those teams. So Definitely. So you come in like, hey, we're going to win this. We have to win this. Yeah, we, uh, we come in knowing that every week's going to be a challenge. No week's easier than another week. So if we prepare well, uh, we're going to come out on top on Friday nights. Before I started doing this podcast and doing other things, I was a sports writer with the News Tribune in LaSalle for eight years. And throughout the years, Kiwani was, you know, not a very strong team. Like, not saying they didn't score points or, you know, they were in the loss column more than the win column. What did you and this class do to kind of change it around? And now you're 5-0. and Best start for Kiwani since 1999. That's a long time ago. And to do what you guys are doing. Um, I think the biggest thing is uh, what us players like to call the Swanson era. When Coach Swanson came in our sophomore year, he's had his dial in ever since, and it shows. Perfect. Anything else you want to add, my friend? Uh, I'm good. All right. If you want to pass me on to Coach, thanks for speaking with me. I really appreciate it. All right. I'm here now. Coach Brad Swanson, how's it going, my friend? Pretty good. I mean, we'll pick up right there. Kiwani has been putting it down on the football field, and I guess this is a Swanson era? I don't know. That's what they say. I don't know about that. I came in 2019. 
Um, I knew I had a great group of sophomores. We had a great group of seniors that year. We had a small junior class. But again, the, the seniors bought in right away um, from that 19 class, and these sophomores were there to see it all. I've transpired because there was eight, nine, ten of them that were playing, and eight started um, as sophomores. So they, they got the first-hand experience of what we believed in, what I believed in, and they've been on board ever since. So it's been it's been really good. What were some things that you changed or, you know, your philosophy of the game that kind of made this change happen? Like I said, Kiwani's 5-0 and for the first time since 1999, and for the last, you know, 10 or so years, hasn't been really a strong program. What have you done to change it around? Um, I, mean, I don't like taking a lot of credit for it, but I think one of the things that I did right away was change the expectation. Uh, I wanted right, right away to let them know they need to be able to compete with anybody in the state, um, not just in the area, not just in the conference, but in the state. So kind of raise that expectation a little bit from just being a good football team, to being a playoff football team, to be a quarterfinal football team, to be a, a state caliber football team. So, again, expecting that out of them, um, telling them what it takes to do that, um, and then buying into it and getting to the weight room and doing a lot of good things. So um, just raising those expectations, I think it's helped a lot. With you putting that in place, had to make you feel really good to look up and see the scoreboard at the end of the Princeton game. Yeah, they kind of handed us to it the last two years. They're a really good football team. They had um, 11 seniors last year with uh, Rondé. Again, they were really good. They, they were about to make a little run there if there was playoffs last year. So that was a really good football team. They graduated a couple guys. Our guys who were juniors last year, I um, knew they were graduating those guys. So um, we knew we we had a great chance on Friday night, and we executed and did a lot of good things. So uh, it was fun for sure, yes. It's got to be also cool playing in these rivalry games. Like I was just speaking with Will, it seems this Three Rivers East Mississippi division every single week is somebody that you want to beat. It's not a you know crossover, you know, especially this deep in the season, or you know just a random team. It's like, hey, we want to be Princeton. We want to be a Hall, a St. Bede. These teams that are kind of local and people that you may know. Yeah, for sure. Um, especially with the Prince in the Hall, the Mendota, that old NCIC stuff. Um, again, I grew up just down the road from here, so I know a lot about that NCIC rivalry stuff. But, again, talking to some older teachers, Coach Chris Coase, some of those guys. Um, again, going to Spring Valley Hall is a great opportunity for us. We are 5-0. I think three of the teams we played have 4-1 records right now. Like you said, we prepare like it's playoff week every week. If we want to be a playoff team, we have to prepare like a playoff team. It doesn't matter who you're playing. So that's kind of the mindset we have a lot of times going into Monday, going into Tuesday, going into Wednesday. And again, I think that's a recipe for success as well. Going into the season with this group of sophomores that you started your head coaching tenure at Kiwani with, what was kind of your game plan? Obviously, you knew you had athletes. You know, you had defense and offense kind of balanced on both sides. Coming into each game, what was your game plan to try to rack up five straight wins? Um, well, I'll go off a little other tangent here. One of my best friends of college, or two of my best friends of college, are on staff now, and we all went to Monmouth College, and we have a little bit of Monmouth College philosophy. Coach Bell, Coach Steve Bell, he's the obviously a football coach. Um, Dave Ragone, obviously an O-line coach. And Coach Braun, Chad Braun, who's the head coach at Monmouth College now. I talk to those guys on a weekly basis. My two assistants talk to them a lot as well. Um, Blake Von Holen, he calls our defense. We're a base defense. We're in a lot of cover four. Uh, and Coach Hunter, Ben Hunter, um, he's new on staff this year. If you want to call a spread team, we're kind of a spread team, but we're more of a multiple team. 
we can get in the eye, we can pound the football, or we can spread down, throw a lot of different passing concepts at you as well. So uh, there's a lot of things that we can do. I want to put our guys in the best position that they can win on offense. Uh, we will do a lot of different things. Uh, defense, we play base, and we fly around and tackle. So uh, that's basically the basics of that. Um, again, got to give a lot of credit to my assistants uh, because they do a great job making practice as we go. Awesome. So it's not just one person. It's a whole collective staff. Oh, yeah, for sure. I don't do much. <laughs> oh, so you're the guy that just sits down and lets them do everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, kind of. A little bit along those lines. <laughs> Perfect. What was your coaching experience before taking over for Kiwani? Right out of high school, when I was 21, 22, um, I got a job at Galesburg High School. I was a the head freshman coach there for uh, about eight years. Um, so, again, being the head freshman coach at a Western Big City school, you have about 60 freshmen, you're off on your own. You have three, four assistants. Um, so I have my own staff at Galesburg uh, doing that kind of stuff. And again, you learn a lot of, a lot of the ins and outs of um, the game, but more about relationships and dealing with 14, 15-year-olds and all that kind of stuff, which is a huge experience, huge experience for me. And then after Galesburg, I did go to Thomas uh, College for a couple of years. Was a, a special teams guy over there. Did a lot of kickoff, kickoff return. An assistant D-line coach. Then I went back to Galesburg. I was varsity assistant uh, before landing in Kiwani in 2019. So uh, that's kind of the gist of it. It's been a great experience for me. Great career so far. When I turn 35, I want to be a head coach. I have a couple kids. I have a wife. My grandpa and my dad live here in Kiwani. So, again, it's a great fit. Everything happened the way it's supposed to. I'm glad I'm here. Sounds like you have the perfect life for a high school football coach. Hell yeah, it's, it's starting to shape up pretty well. Again, Kiwani's been really good to me. Uh, great, There's great students here, great staff, great administration. So, uh, everything's working out pretty well. And these boys are doing a really good job, too. So that makes everything just that much better. Perfect. Well, not really a luck atmosphere here at Edge of Your Seat Podcast because obviously Kiwani has put in the time, the practice, has the skills to get the job done. So have a good game against Hall Week 6 and for the rest of the season until we talk again. All right, sounds good. Thank you so much for doing what you do. What an awesome program the Kiwani Boilermakers football squad has turned into. Tearing it up. 6-0, headed into week 7 against Mendota on Friday. Huge game as Kiwani 6-0, Mendota 5-1. This has implications of who's taking over the conference. So a lot of big things to happen here. And if Mendota gets the win, they automatically qualify for the playoffs, which Kiwani already did with their 6th victory. So a lot of things to play for. Going to be an amazing game. Let's get to the legend, Mike Goff. LP graduate, played in the NFL for 12 years, has coached at three different college programs, has been doing his thing for quite some time, and it still is to this day. Let's hear from Mike Goff. We'll talk to you soon. Until next time, peace. It's actually a beautiful day in Illinois. That doesn't happen often, that's for sure. My guest today would know all about that, Illinois weather, graduated from LaSalle, Peru in 1994, He's been all over since then, coaching football, playing football. I am, of course, talking about Mike Goff. Mike, how's it going? Man, it, it is fantastic. I think every, every day, you know, you just got to be fast, especially in the crazy world we live in now. You just got to wake up, be thankful that you're healthy, your family's healthy, and enjoy the day. Definitely. And was I correct? You've pretty much been everywhere. 
Yeah, I've, I've pretty much have I've I've, been, I've seen a lot of places to actually be back be back in San Diego now uh, with my family coaching football for San Diego State is really it really is a a blessing because I think this is the most time that I've been able to spend with my family for about the past six years and I think that uh, in, in coaching it takes you all over the place and it is it requires a lot out of you that. Uh, sometimes, sometimes sacrifices are, are made and, uh, and actually just be, be able to come back to, to my family and be with the ones I love and do what I love doing, which is football is truly a blessing. Before we get into anything else, cause we have a lot to dive into. Let's give a shout out to the family. Who is your wife and your children? I have a, a wife. Um, her name is Jessica. Uh, her and I have been married for, for 12 wonderful years. And we have an 11-year-old daughter named Harper, who is a true California kid. She loves surfing. She loves volleyball. She loves riding horses. Loves being outside. So uh, being in California is, she can adapt anywhere, but she truly does uh, love the California lifestyle. I mean, surfing is now an Olympic sport. Could you see her doing it? It would probably require me getting her up a lot earlier than either of us want to right now to get the uh, get the good swells. But if that was something she uh, is interested in doing, then absolutely we'll support her however we can make that happen. Definitely. Coaching at San Diego State, are you in San Diego then? Oh, yeah. Yep. San Diego State is, is it takes me 20 minutes door to door, and it's fantastic. That's awesome. Nice, easy drive to work. Yep, get to see the new stadium that's going to be ready for the 2022 season. That's con- that's coming along nicely. Ever since the Chargers left San Diego, it's uh, really going to get a chance to showcase the university. Uh, really, it'll be the, the hot football ticket in town because it's the only football ticket in town. I think that when fans get a chance to really see what that stadium and what that experience will be like, I think that will be one of the hottest tickets in town. A college team in a legit NFL stadium that has to be exciting for everybody involved. Well, it, it is, and again, when the when the Chargers left, I think that people really did gravitate towards the Aztecs, and I think that they were happy that the Aztecs were there, but they were still playing in an old stadium, which is the reason why the Chargers left. And so now to be able to build a brand new stadium that's going to bring in great revenue for not only the city but the but the university and really just bring in more business in the economy i think that it's going to be a, a great thing for all involved definitely the reason i have you on edge of your seat podcast also writing a story for the news tribune illinois valley hall of fame you were inducted into the second class which was actually last year but because of covid19 the news tribune was not able to have their ceremony was not able to do the write-up so we're doing them as we speak actually so what was your initial reaction being that you were getting inducted into this hall of fame only the second class it had to be a cool feeling you know being a LaSalle peru alum I think any time that you get recognized for doing something, it makes you feel good inside. And just with the the people that I know uh, in the community to think of me in, in, in a way that is, you know, all fame worthy is it, it's very humbling and it really is a blessing. And I'm beyond thrilled to accept the honor of being inducted. I think that there's a lot of people who help me get 
to this uh, to this point, and without them, I wouldn't have been able to get anything done. So I'm very blessed, I'm very humbled, and I'm very thankful, and it is definitely an honor. I mean, you've had quite a football career. All starts at LP. I'm sure you have fond memories of playing football there and, you know, starting that resume that is pretty, you know, accomplished. One of the great things about LP is Howard Fellow Stadium was, and still is in my opinion, one of the premier uh, high school venues in the state, if not the Midwest. Now, I have seen some Texas uh, high schools, and those are absolutely ridiculous. But, you know, you look back at, at your high school career and where you got a chance to play, and even though our wins and losses didn't reflect uh, the best, I mean, it was an experience that that's, that's where you cut your teeth. I mean, I, I can remember practicing with uh, Coach Joe Skabinski uh, back, uh, back when I was a freshman. And I think that all the coaches that helped me along the way, they were the ones that got me got me started and kept encouraging me to always compete and always do my best. And now I get the honor and privilege of trying to encourage young men to give their absolute best if their goal is to be the best football player they want to be or if they want to try and get to the NFL. However I can help them, you know, it's something that I've learned from, from my coaches at, at LP. And I can't, can't thank them enough for believing in me and always pushing me to be my best. And it showed on the field at LP, crazy stats, 34 tackles, 24 assists, your senior year, All-American honors, you were blue chip, caliber player, you're a wrestler, finished sixth, class double A, 275 pounds, and then you get drafted by the Cincinnati Bengals, 1998, in the third round. That had to be a great feeling, I mean... The Midwest, where we're at, kind of LP area, the Illinois Valley, not really known for many pro athletes after, say, the 60s or 70s, and you were able to break the mold and get it done in the NFL. Well, I I think that part of the difference between kids now and back when I was in high school is that I just loved playing the game, and it really was just about going out there and playing football, and I think the NFL was a, a dream that was so far down the road in my mind that didn't even make sense worrying about it, but just living in the now and focusing on what I could do to help me be the best player I could be at the time. And I think kids nowadays see the money, the glitz, the glamour. I mean, you go on Instagram, you can see everybody's highlight reel, but no one shows the downtimes on Instagram. So I think they see the lifestyle professional athletes and they think wow i want to do that but i think they sometimes forget that the hard work that it takes to get there it just doesn't happen you don't just say okay i think i'm going to work hard now it's something that you have to start early and you, you just have to have a commitment to what you're trying to achieve and i think that when i was younger it wasn't about going to the nfl it was about playing a game and I got blessed enough to have scholarship offers from Illinois and Iowa. And I ended up going to Iowa because I thought it was the best fit for me. I think that kids nowadays always want to more, more, more instead of trying to just be content with what they have and making the best of what they have. And that's that, the day that they have. There's enough worries about tomorrow. So just focus on it and do whatever you can to make yourself better today. Definitely. And with that said, 12 seasons in the NFL, did you have that mentality while you were with the Bengals, while you were with the San Diego Chargers and the Kansas City Chiefs during your playing career? Again, it's just one of those things that 
kind of pinch yourself every now and again to realize that it truly is a, a blessed life to get paid to play a, a kid's game that, you know, not allergic to money, so I love the money, but if I was just playing for free, that would have been fine too. You know, I just loved the game. When I got into it, I just figured, all right, let's see, let's see where this goes. And one year turned into two, two turned into three, and so on and so forth to where you kind of get the, hey, I think I'm going to play for a really long time. And unfortunately, my shoulder gave out when I was 34. Uh, actually, I was 33. And then had surgery on it and rebounded back. And at that point, no one was really looking for a 34-year-old. Uh, and so it was time to time to move on and try to get something else figured out. And that kind of led me down the path of coaching. And you've had quite a few stops. Actually, three, if I remember. You've been to Western Kentucky, USC, and now San Diego State. Is that correct? That is correct. I started off volunteering in 2010 at San Diego State under Coach Hoke. I never graduated from college the first time. So well, in 2010, I was volunteering to see if I even liked coaching because the hours are definitely a lot different than that of being a player. And Coach Hoke took me underneath his wing and wanted me to do the coach's hours to see if I, it was something I was actually interested in. And so I fell in love with it. Went back and finished my degree while still volunteering at San Diego State in 2010. And it was there 2010-2011. Did an internship with the Carolina Panthers. Coached high school in San Diego for a year. And was actually going to be the tight ends coach at Colorado State Pueblo when the University of Southern California graduate assistant position opened up. So Coach Elton was the offensive coordinator at the time at, at Southern Cal. And he gave me my first chance. So I went there and kept striving and there were some bumps on the road because I think sometimes trying to crack into the coaching profession it's, it's very much a it's not who you know but it's a who knows you so you got to try to develop the work habit to get yourself noticed and Ivan Lewis who was the head strength coach at, at Southern Cal at the time he was he was with the Chargers uh, when I was here and he knew I was looking to get into coaching, so he was the one who set up the introduction and took off from there. So I was at SC for for four years, two as a graduate assistant, two as a quality control coach, and then uh, Coach Helton's younger brother, Tyson, went to Western Kentucky. And he called me up and said, I don't need to interview, interview you. I know what you know. I know all about you. I know how you, how you conduct yourself, and if you want the position, it's yours, and I said, let me let me just double check with my wife, and unless she's lost her mind, uh, I'll be there. So <laughs> let me uh, let me just double check with that, make sure she's on board with it. So when I asked her, my wife gave me the look of, you know, you could have just said yes right away. And I said, well, I wanted to be, I wanted to make sure. And she said, absolutely, call him right now. So that took me out to Western Kentucky, and out, out at Western, I was exposed to, yeah, you know, I mean, not a whole new world because there's a lot of similarities between Bowling Green, Kentucky and the LaSalle Peru area. A lot of good people out there, a lot of community pride. And so I fit in I fit in right away. And a lot of people there thought I was from California originally. And so when I told them where I was from originally, I said, oh, this should be nothing new to you. I said, no, this is, this is like riding a bike. Had a, had a great two years there. Uh, the players that I was able to have uh, have the hopefully the influence over in a positive way was was amazing. They worked hard. 
they took hard coaching and they absolutely did their best and it was a lot of fun and then the opportunity arose for me to come home uh it was it was too good uh too good to pass up so now i'm back here with coach reunited with coach hoke again coach hoke this is his second tenure as head coach at san diego state and this is his second year leading the program and so between him and another illinois illinois product uh jeff eklinski who's from the chicagoland area to be reunited with those guys is it's an amazing opportunity and again couldn't be more thrilled to be home with my my family and doing what i love and you through your playing career were an offensive lineman is that what your main coaching responsibilities are now yes um I mean, I would coach the wide receivers in other positions, but I, I, I need to be with the big uglies up front. That's what I know. It's what I love, and hopefully we'll we'll, we'll do something special in the years to come and, and make, uh, make San Diego State. You know, San Diego State over the past 12 years has developed a reputation of being a uh, hard-nosed, uh, physical team. We're not the... We're not going to be the most athletic, but we're going to, you know, when you'll, you'll play San Diego State. So to have the opportunity to carry on that legacy and carry on that tradition that was established about 12 years ago really is, it's an honor because everything that Coach Hoke stands for is you, you, you buy in. And I wish I could uh, have one more year eligibility to play in that new stadium that it's going to be. But to get the opportunity to, to, to coach there is going to, it's going to be truly amazing. Usually, as human beings, we're always thinking about what's next. What are we going to do here? Are we going to move on? Things like that. But it sounds like for you, you're pretty content of what you're doing, where you're at, and it seems like you kind of got the dream scenario for what works for you. I've told everybody this, even Coach Oak. I said, really, the only thing that could yank me away is if the Chicago Bears call and say, hey, we want you to be uh, our offensive line coach. That might be a very big carrot for me to not take a a bite out of because... Obviously, growing up in uh, Peru, I'm, I'm all things Chicago. You know, Blackhawks, Bulls, Bears, uh, White Sox, and it just, uh, I always wanted to play for the Bears. Uh, opportunity never arose, so if I ended up getting the coach for the Bears, that would be amazing. Definitely. On Edge of Your Seat Podcast, we play a game with every single guest Let's play a top five. You have been to so many different stadiums, football atmospheres. Can you give me a top five of your favorite places to play or to visit? Okay, do you want college or pro or can it be both? It can be both. Okay, I'm going to have to say that do you ever get a chance to go to Lambeau Field, even though I'm, even though I'm not a Packers fan? The experience in Lambeau is unbelievable. Just where it's located, uh, the fans, I mean, it was just such an amazing experience. I think you get a chance to go to the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, that's a hostile crowd. They got their own marching band. They don't like you. They don't care about you, and they'll let you know about it. Uh, that That's an awesome experience. I think anytime you get a chance to go to Camp Randall at, uh, at Madison, Wisconsin, they didn't have the jump around song uh, when I was playing college because that song had just come out. But to just be around that environment is one of the best college environments there is. I cannot uh, exclude my my own Iowa Hawkeyes at Kinnick Stadium. Again, just a fantastic atmosphere. The environment there, game day is electric. People love the Hawkeyes. 
and they are just it's such a passionate fan base and i love the fact that they do the first quarter wave and then the first quarter they wave the kids at the at the children's hospital that is one of the coolest new traditions there is and then i think the uh, number five Ooh. Well, what am I going to put for number five? I, I think that if you, if you want to look at, at places where it is just where they truly hated you was back when we used to play the Oakland Raiders at the uh, Oakland uh, Coliseum. It's not a great stadium, but just to go in there and the fans just hated you so much. And when you would win and just shut them up, it was such an, it was such an amazing thing. I think I would, I would probably tie that with uh, – with uh, Kansas City Chiefs, uh, anytime you got to go to chance to go to Arrowhead, it was it was amazing. So that is my top five. Awesome, a lot of cool details in there. Thank you for sharing that with us. Definitely appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Mike Goff, appreciate you as well joining Edge of Your Seat podcast, telling us what's going on, and a big congratulations to being inducted into the News Tribune's Illinois Valley Hall of Fame. Congratulations, my friend. Uh, again, thank you so much for, for taking the time out of your day to, to interview me and, and to the News Tribune. Thank you so much for this honor. I'm humbled uh, and, and blessed to receive it. So thank you very much.